Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I know it's throwing me off slightly because it's that time of the year where you can't really watch certain films because you need the atmos you know you can't necessarily watch like i don't know trying to think of an example but i guess horror films like you can't watch a horror film in the daytime no no that that's probably true because it adds to the atmosphere doesn't it really yeah so i think you're probably right there there are some films that you can watch at any time during the day others they just need to be viewed at a certain time don't they i tell you what though i did i remember watching um is it the Strangers, I think it's The Strangers, where mm. it's like a home invasion film, and oh, right. yeah, so the it's quite. I think it's The Strangers, and I watched it. Um, oh, was I? I was on. It's when I was working somewhere else, and I had like a weekday off, which was very mm-hmm. unusual. So no one else was off, and I was watching it. Oh, right, <laughs> it must have been okay. about like eleven o'clock in the morning, and because I wanted to create the atmosphere, so I shut the curtains and made it as dark as I could, and I was watching it, and I was still genuinely scared. But it was quite weird, it kind of finishing, and then me kind of carrying yeah. on with the rest of my day. <laughs> you go to a lot of trouble, don't you? You love setting the scene, don't you? Oh eh? yeah, I'm, definitely. I'm it, you see, I, I, I just don't have the wherewithal to do that. But I know what you mean, though. It's got, to, it's got to create a mood. But that's not something you can do in the cinema, is it? Because you go to the cinema, and it's in darkness anyway, isn't it? Mm. You know, um, So that kind of kills it a little bit. But you can do that more when you're at home, can't you? 
I think that's a, an interesting perspective, Chris. You, again, you've given me a lot to think about here, you know. There you go. Really, I'll only five you. minutes in, and you've already got me thinking. <laughs> Honestly, already really. Yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. That's the best way to enjoy horror films. You know, shut your curtains, and uh, if the Amazon man comes to the door, you just don't answer it. No, no, no. I know. No. I know. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's about getting into the spirit of things, isn't it? I mean, literally. It wow. Yeah. Well, scary. we are hmm. back with episode four of UK Film Club. How hmm. exciting. Um, um, yeah. it's the show that reviews everything, really. We review right from the top, right down, mm. not to the bottom, because that sounds bad, but to yeah. the shortest, to short films, you know, to yeah, indie course. films. Yeah. Um, and if you haven't listened to the show, it's your first time, welcome. Welcome mm-hmm. to the show. Um, me and Brian are critics for UK Film Review, and in these episodes, we like to cover the cinema releases, largely uh, by Brian. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we do a streaming pick, so a film that's on streaming services. Then we do a couple of indie films. And then we finish up with a nostalgia film, which is something that basically is a little bit older, I guess. There's not mm-hmm. really much. I, and funny enough, the film that we picked this uh, for this month is another bleak film. We did Fight Club last month. And I'm thinking, we've got to stop picking these bleak we, films. We, we've like, got to cheer ourselves up a bit next month. I know. You can imagine me, myself yeah. sitting in the dark, watching these films, <laughs> getting all depressed. Like, nah, I need something happier for next yeah, month. You need a bit but... of light and show, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, and in this episode, very specially, I, everyone, round of applause, please, made mm-hmm. it to the cinema. Yeah. <laughs> and Brian was there to witness it. I was there. This. I witnessed it. I actually witnessed saw you go in. Yeah, yeah. I sat next to you. Yeah. 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 So we were um, very privileged to watch the uh, media premiere, I guess, uh, of um, yep. the new Fast and Furious film, Fast mm-hmm. X, um, which is really good. Uh, I reviewed it for the site, and I know that Mad Wolf, they also reviewed it for the site. Um, so I think it's my one that you'll see up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll get into that in a minute. But I think... Oh, first off, just got a quick promo. I love a bit mm. of promo. Well, um, you, yeah. So Picture House uh, got in touch to say that they are promoting the Sundance Film Festival London for 2023. Oh, wow. And that's taking place in July, the 6th to the 9th. So, yeah, we put a, a shout out on our stories. Um, although when you're listening to this, it's probably already gone. But yeah, it was on there. Um, but you can go to Picture Houses with an S at the end, which is a bit strange. Picture Houses. Really? Oh, I never yeah. Know. yeah. I wonder who's got a Picture House. Someone. Yeah. Uh, someone's, got it, yeah. someone's got it. Picturehouses.com forward slash Sundance. And you'll be able to uh, see the lineup. Um, interestingly, there's a short film showcase, which a lot of the festivals do. And one of the films in there is My Eyes Are Up Here. And that was recently reviewed on the website by William Hemingway. And he loved it. And he's not an easy critic to please. So, oh, right. yeah, he does <laughs> give his fair share of, of, of uh, low scores, shall we, we say. Like, so We like to be constructive, don't we? At the same we do. Time, we do. Uh, and don't get me wrong. Uh, William's a really great writer. Yeah. Um, so for him to sort of give this four stars, I'm thinking, wow, that must be something. Square price indeed. Then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's um, part of the the lineup at the Sundance Film Festival London. So yeah, just shout out to those guys for, for getting in touch. And mm, yeah, stuff. that's in July. So shall we, shall we go with the, theatrical releases and then do fast x last does that work because i know you had some other films that you were going to review first so let's let's do those okay then all right so we do the my five for this month what order do you want me to take them in this time chris okay 
I'm gonna I, I'm gonna direct you this time. I don't know why, because normally I let you go at it free reign, yeah, but yeah, I'm a bit yeah. more organised this, this oh, time. So nice I'm gonna one. go. Yeah. Well, as long as you have seen them. Um, <laughs> yeah, of course I have. <laughs> Big George Foreman. Oh, Big George Foreman. Right. Okay then. So, right. Big George Foreman. I want to give you the full title here because I don't know how they managed to get it on the poster, but the full t- title is Big George Foreman colon the miraculous story of the once and future heavyweight champion of the world 16 <laughs> words i mean honestly did they need a subtitle quite that long it's beyond me i mean surely big george foreman kind of does it don't you think you know? I, I mean because i'm looking at it now and that poster design i probably thought <laughs> i'm not going to put anything else on it there's no yeah, point just know, put that and the guy and, and that's it it's it too... crowds it out doesn't it yeah. anyway so this is directed by george tillman jr starring chris davis as foreman and Forrest Whitaker is trainer Doc Brodus. Now, this is the story of one of the greatest heavyweight boxers of all time. Now, I don't know how familiar listeners are with boxing. If I just mention Muhammad Ali, Joe Frazier, Ken Norton, Jimmy Ellis, and George Foreman himself, you had fighters of rare quality and distinction, and they were all in their prime during the 1970s. Now, Foreman won the world title from Joe Frazier, but lost it to Muhammad Ali, in a fight famously known as the Rumble in the Jungle. But I guess the bigger part of Foreman's story was coming out of retirement to win the world title again at the age of 45. Overall, it's a solid biopic with a steady pace that ticks all the right boxes. There are no great revelations. Unsurprising as Foreman himself was executive producer. So there'll be no skeletons rattling here. Uh, Chris Davis is very good in the title role, but in many ways, the film belongs to Forrest Whitaker as the battle-hardened trainer. What I like about his performance is that he doesn't overplay the character. It's like Billy Wilder, the director, used to say, less is more. He reigns it in and makes a bigger impression as a result. A thoroughly enjoyable film, great soundtrack. If you're a fan of 70s soul and funk, this is the film for you. There we go. I mean... I love a boxing film. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. I think we've said this before on the pod. It's a, it's a genre upon itself, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Specifically yeah, it boxing, is. I think. Yeah. Um, it's got everything cinematic that you kind of want. And yeah. I mean, George Foreman is a household name, uh, even even over here and, and even well, kind of you know, yeah. now. Yeah. I mean, e- even, even if you know him as the uh, promoter of the Lean Mean Grilling Machine as well, which he made an awful lot of money out of back in the eighties. I was doing my best not to bring it up, but I'm glad uh, you did because yeah. You know. I mean, it was got. I mean, they mentioned it in the film, so if they mention it in the film, we can mention it here. It's relevant. Yeah, there it's relevant. Go. It's current and it's relevant. Now, a very good film. I liked it. I think it's been getting some slightly mixed reviews. I don't know whether people expected to see a bit more dirt being dished, but mm. I think it gave a fairly balanced account of his life, particularly his humble beginnings. Uh, coming from a very poor family in a very poor part of Houston in Texas to winning the Olympic gold medal at Mexico City in 1968, turning professional. The old story of making a fortune, then losing it through bad investments, bad deals, bad management deals, then having to make a comeback in his his 40s. It does read a bit like a Hollywood film script, but it's all true. And I think I know George Foreman's story relatively well enough to say that's a fair account 
you know, it. I mean, no pun intended. It doesn't pull any punches. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> uh, it had to be done, didn't it? Really? Come on, be honest. Oh, uh, if I'd have reviewed it, it would have just been full of it. That's all I do. <laughs> I'm just full of puns. That's all I do. But you see, the thing is, though, boxing's got lots of great phrases that that have entered into our lexicon, haven't they? Really, you know, out for the count, beating to the punch, all that type of thing. Mm. Um, but no, a very good film. I really enjoyed it, and it. It touches it touches a chord with, with people in in some way because pugilism is the ultimate warrior art, isn't it? And I I take it as art because when it's when it's done properly, when you've got two great fighters in the ring, and George Foreman represents a great era for heavyweight boxing in general. So yeah, good stuff. Really enjoyed that. There you go. Big George Foreman. I'm not going to do the full title because I've already clicked away and I don't want to have to look at it. <laughs> um, now, this next one, I've got this vague feeling that you said you didn't get to see it. Um, but Which let's one? just see if it's... Uh, the film, The Unlikely Pilgrimage of Harold Fry. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, You did yeah. see it. All right, crack on. I saw that. Okay, then. So, uh, yeah. So, what we got then is it's a film directed by Hetty McDonald starring Jim Broadbent as Harold and Penelope Wilson as his wife Maureen. When I sat down to write this review, I had to resist the temptation to use phrases like heartwarming, mm-hmm. life-affirming. It's that kind of film. It's based on a book by Rachel Joyce and tells the story of Harold and Maureen, who live in quiet retirement on the South Coast. Harold receives a letter from Queenie, who is in a hospice and writing to say goodbye. Ooh, it's quite sad. Anyway, he struggles to write a response. On the way to the post office, he has what would you call it, uh, an epiphany perhaps, and decides to walk all the way to Berwick-upon-Tweed so he can say goodbye to Queenie in person. Now, to appreciate this film, you need to omit the logic because the first thing you think is, why doesn't he just get on a train Mm. and go and see her, right? But this is Harold's eccentricity at play. He sees the walk as an atonement for all the things he's got wrong in his life. It's a charming film, The story gently unfolds, and we learn exactly what the deal is between him and Queenie. And it's not necessarily what you'd expect. We also learn of a troubled relationship with his son, David, which fills in all the blanks. But I would say it's a very British film and a very likeable film. Really, really a nice watch. This feels right up my street. I love a, this is my warm Sunday feeling film. Absolutely. Yeah, Um, you've nailed it there. I watched um, The Fisherman's Friends 2. Oh, right. Yeah. What do you think um, of it? Which is not as good as the first one. Um, never, they never are. Well, they, they never are. Been, the never first are. one was, was good, but it, the second one, it was very pulling, <laughs> it's, you know, pulling it at the strings and trying to make something, I think, that wasn't really there or needed. Um, yeah. But... It, I, you got to go into these sort of films very forgiving and very kind of like, do you know what? I just kind of want you, the sensation of a yeah. film washing over me. Yeah. Um, you, and that's what yeah. I get with that. Exactly. You want to like it. And the thing is, I think Fisherman's Friends, it, not as good as the original, of course, but it's so well written and the characters are so well drawn and they're very likable. They have that human quality. And you, you can't. it's the same thing with the Harold Fry movie. Um, they're just very likable and they do grow on you as people. I like Jim Broadbent. Oh, I yeah. Like Penel- He's great, isn't he? Yeah. And I like Pe- Penelope Wilton too. What I would say, though, is that uh, after I write my review, I don't know what you do, but do you do you write your own view, review, then read other people's? Or do you... What do you do? It depends. Sometimes, if I'm really struggling, 
I go and steal someone's review. No, I don't. <laughs> um, no, I think sometimes I'll go and read reviews then when I've seen the film and I've got maybe like my yeah. draft because yeah. sometimes you think something but you can't quite put it into words yet. Yeah. Not that you're trying to steal it, more no. just trying to shape it in your mind as to what you, it is that you're trying to you, write about. Yeah. Um, uh, so sometimes but rarely i normally like to just post my review yeah. and then i'll go read yeah. elsewhere I, i'm more or less the same as you i mean sometimes reading some somebody else's review can, can you can articulate your own thoughts a bit more can't you yeah i think that's what it boils down to but usually i, I do exactly what you do but i write my review first then i start looking at other reviews just to see how how close we are in opinions or how far apart we are now i read some of the reviews of the harold fry movie and I have to say, I was a little bit disappointed with, with the kind of the vibe I was getting because they were saying, well, I, I, the impression I got was that um, it's a film for older people because the characters are elderly or they're in their, in their 70s. And I find that such a shame to think mm. that because it's character-based and it's good storytelling, people think it won't be of any interest to people under the age of 30. Do you know what I mean? It, I found that a bit a bit sad, really. I think uh, they know target demographics, but I do think that's very unfair to, to put those sort yeah. of things out. Um, as I say, I'm an absolute sucker for a, a soft, warm film, and I'm in my yeah. 30s, uh, and I've liked these films for you know a long yeah. time. Um, I think genre is applicable because people are often drawn to more you know some some draw, uh, genres more than others depending mm. on their age but yeah. it's the same thing like with animation it gets pigeonholed oh animation is for kids but it's yeah, so exactly. not is it at all, no, not at all. Um, no. it's universal and i think these yeah. stories are universal it just sometimes they sort of get a bit tied up with their own marketing yeah. but um i also think sometimes they lose a bit of their audience because of maybe they're trying to do like you say they're doing things that wouldn't make sense to a younger audience like him yeah. not jumping on a train or calling an uber or you know it's like exactly yeah it doesn't yeah. make sense to, yeah. a, to a younger generation so maybe there's that but i still yeah. think they can understand that like i think people can under, like you know when i watch a period drama it's not like oh i can't understand this at all even <laughs> though i you know because I, I wasn't there it's like no i can understand yeah. how they lived like that and i can I know. You know, people yeah. who grew up without phones can understand how people had to get by without a mobile yeah, phone exactly yeah um yeah. i'm saying that because i'm seeing him on the trailer inside like a one of those classic post boxes so i'm guessing yeah, that's that right yeah, yeah yeah um but i think it's it's so unfair these studios and things of like that and these marketing departments that kind of make these decisions and say mm. oh well they won't get it so don't market it those people it's like well, that's not really fair it's a, it's not fair and it's a missed opportunity i think because it they rob the film of a much wider appeal because they, it's so narrow and mm. I, I think that is such a shame because it's it's the type of film that, that you know does make you feel it does make you feel it's a feel good film. And what's wrong with that? I think we need more films like that 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 don't necessarily go for the jugular, right? It's a gentle story that gradually builds and reaches a, a, an interesting climax. As I said, I touched on it earlier on that it it's not quite the the finale that you imagine so it it surprises you as well. well i think it does anyway so yeah well but, moving from one film shall i say aimed at a, an older audience to another yeah. uh with book club two the next ah, chapter right. yeah book club two okay then so this is directed by bill holderman 
and stars. Take a deep breath here. Diane Keaton, Jane Fonda, Mary Steenburgen, Candice Bergen, Andy Garcia, Don Johnson, and Craig T. Nelson. Phew. Gosh, it, that's a it, cast, isn't it? And it, it is. It is. I, I've actually forgotten Hugh Quasi as well, isn't it? So that's <laughs> an even bigger, more quality cast than you could ever imagine. So um, it's a sequel to the first book club made in 2018. This time, four friends go on a bachelorette party to Italy as they mark the engagement of Vivian, played by Jane Fonda. Now, it's a great cast and they, they do carry the film up to a certain extent. It does, we've just touched on this actually, it does fail the, the test of all sequels. It's just not as good as the original. In the first film, they read Fifty Shades of Grey and went on to show how the book affected their lives, how their relationships were enhanced, shall we say. But this story runs more on fumes. It's just not really enough there to keep it going. Um, having said that, it's a pleasant watch you get to see skilled practitioners at work and it would be less of a film without them. One thing I did mention in the review, that I, the written review that I have to mention here though, is that Italy looks absolutely spectacular. It might, it could just as easily be an advert for the Italian film board, <laughs> uh, tourist board, beg, beg your pardon. Um, Tuscany, Rome, uh, Venice, look, they look spectacular. Now it'd be difficult to film Italy and make you look naff. I know that's true. But it does add to the appeal of the film. But it, but it is very lightweight. It is very lightweight. But I think the cast do carry it through just about. Well, we have got Fast X coming up. And, you know, they did also film in Rome. So uh, yeah. yeah, that's right. <laughs> we'll get well, into that. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, a very, a very nice film. But it's not going to be for every to everyone's taste. And in some ways, it's the, I mean, we just mentioned Fast X, who were location filming in Italy as well. You couldn't get a, a more of a contrast, really. But uh, I, I just like the cast. I think the cast lift it above mediocrity. It would be nothing without them, really. If you if you put seven or eight lesser actors in that in those roles, it wouldn't work. I mean, you've got some, what used to be some very big players there. You know, you've got Jane Fonda and uh, Diane Keaton, Mary Steenburgen. Um you know, Candice Bergen, maybe not quite such a major player, but these are all really top-notch actors who had their time, but are just jumping on something that did well the first time around. And now they're making the most of a sequel, which doesn't really do it. But I enjoyed it more for the cast and more for the way they interact together. Um, you can tell there's a natural chemistry. They all get on. They all seem like friends. You know, have you ever watched a movie and you, thought, you think to yourself, they really get on. There's nothing act. They're not in some ways they're not acting because they do se- seem to be like friends anyway. You know? Do you know the, the type of thing I mean? I do. I think you know when that chemistry's right, you feel it. You do yeah. feel it as an audience, and whether you believe it. I think the um, yeah, especially if you're looking at like a not so much this, but like a romantic film, like you yeah. know whether or not you believe it. And yeah. funny enough, again with Fast X, I'm not sure I believe it. 
I'm not sure I believe they are family. Well, but, no, you know, but, yeah, we're, we're, yeah. yeah. But that yeah. doesn't matter. This is what yeah. all my review I, I said with Parsecs, it didn't really matter because it's just you're just there for something else. But anyway, again, yeah. we'll get to that. I keep jumping ahead. I'm just it's so right, excited. Right. Yeah, you can tell excited. I haven't been to the cinema for a I know, while. I know, I know, you're hyper, aren't you? I can, I can sense it, yeah. yeah. I know. <laughs> um, so that was uh, Book Club, the next chapter. Now, I'm confused about this next one, Ryan, because it's called The Notebook. I thought that film had come out a long time ago. No, yeah, actually, the, the, I, I replaced it with another film. I got I got my list, my to see list mixed up. Okay. All right. So on, I then. replaced it with with another one, which is Missing. Yep. Now, Missing. This is an interesting one. Uh, now, this film I was actually going to review on the um, on the previous podcast, but we just didn't. I didn't have time to see it. But it came out on the 21st of April, um, and it's still running now. And it's directed by Nicholas D. Johnson and Will Merrick, starring Storm Reid as June and Nia Long as Mother Grace, uh, her Mother Grace. Uh, I'm, um, so, yeah, it's an interesting one because it's a genre known as screen life movies, mm. which is visual storytelling where all the events are shown on a computer, a tablet or a smartphone. Now, the story is fairly simple. Grace goes on a holiday to Colombia with her new partner, Kevin. She leaves June a list of do's and don'ts. But a teenager with parents away, well, you make the most of it, don't you? Anyway, June goes to the airport to meet them on the day of their return, but they don't show up. She grows increasingly anxious and realises they've gone missing. Back home, June begins to track their movements online. And you really don't realise how easy it is to find people now. None of us can fly under the radar anymore, which is a blessing and a curse in equal measure. The film itself has real pace and sometimes feels like a blur. If you're IT literate, which I'm not particularly, um, you'll pick up a lot more from it. Uh, Because I was thinking, well, how can you do that? I didn't know you could do that. I was thinking that all the way through the film. But it very compact and very cleverly put together. And a film well well worth catching if you can before it goes, goes on to stream. Funny enough, you, you said about this film, and I thought, oh, I've already seen this. Um, yeah. And it's because, which I haven't, by the way. The reason oh, why right. I thought I had yeah. is I saw a film, um, 2018, called Searching. Have you seen that film with John Yeah, Cho? it's actually, actually, yeah, I have seen it. Uh, and it's made by the same team, the same team of directors and writers. I was going to say, because if not, they are really trying yeah. to rip off this other no, film. <laughs> it, it's, it's the same directors. Now you've mentioned that, it's reminded me, because when I was doing my research on this, I did. it reminded me of the fact that I saw that film when it, when it was first on, but I didn't connect the two. But yeah, you're right, it is. It's very similar. And it's written it's written and directed by the same same people. Yeah. Are you sure? Because it doesn't say that it is on our MTB, but... Oh, am I looking at the wrong? Oh no, you are right. Sev, Sev yeah. Ohanian. Oh, um, yeah, I thought so. Speak, yeah, because yeah, even the posters are like identical. They've got yeah. this blue kind of screens everywhere. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it sounds great. I love those sort of films when they're done well. They can be awful because you know no one wants any more time looking at screens. But when yeah. you, when they're done and they're compelling, I actually think it's a genre that could be very adaptable and very relevant to audiences yeah. at the moment. We all kind of are living a lot more in these screens yeah. so interesting I, I have to say though the genre itself was new to me i'd never heard of it previously screen life but I, I see what it's getting at though because they're containing all the action on a couple of screens but a lot of the time you don't notice it because when the film's playing and you're watching it you'll see um 
her working on screen, but she'll bring up a news report or an ABC report or something. Um, and it doesn't feel like it's necessarily you're watching a screen on a screen on a screen kind of thing. <laughs> but you, if you see what I'm getting at, but you don't yeah. necessarily, it doesn't necessarily come across that way. But very good film, very different, very unusual. But yeah, it's a genre that I think will will grow. But it has to be properly done. And as you say, we spend so much of our lives staring at screens. All right, when you go to the movies, you're staring at one big screen. But they're kind of, you know, the screen itself splits into three or four. Uh, but it, it's it's scary, again, it's that word that I sometimes come back to with a film like this. It's scary what um, what you can learn about people online, what you can do about online. We are really living the Truman Show now, aren't we? Well, especially with the rise of AI. I mean, we're all doomed now anyway. So. Um, oh, don't get me started about AI. Ooh. Yeah, let's, uh, yeah, let's enjoy it while we can. Yeah, yeah. Um, right, Brian, that was four films. Did you do another one or was it Fast X? I did another one, yeah. Go on then. I did. Oh, yeah. Right, okay. Um, it is. What was the fifth one? Yeah. It's called uh, Are You There, God? It's me, Margaret. <laughs> Now, You're right, Brian. You're having a yeah, little turn. Yeah, you think I'm having a moment. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. That's really what the film's called. It came out actually on Friday, on the 19th of May. So it's just come out. Now, um, this is directed by uh, Kelly Freeman Craig and stars Abby Ryder Fortson as Margaret. Rachel McAdams plays her mother, Barbara. And we also get the brilliant Kathy Bates as Grandma Sylvia. Now, this is a family drama that gently tugs at the heartstrings but it's never sentimental or predictable. Margaret is 12 years old and about to enter sixth grade. However, the world is turned upside down when her dad is promoted and they move to New Jersey. This means a new school and new classmates. Margaret is quickly welcomed into a private club headed by Nancy, who to her horror is the owner of a 32A bra. The girls set each other a series of challenges, including who will be the first to get a period. Pressure cranks up even more for Margaret, whose family is divided by religion. A Jewish father and a Christian mother puts her in the middle of a domestic war. However, a teacher, Mr. Benedict, makes a suggestion. Write a project about religion and what it means to her. I absolutely love this film. It's the film of the month for me, out of the five that I've reviewed. Wow. Um, it's, it's my favourite. It takes the girl reaching puberty storyline and adds a unique twist what does religion mean to a 12-year-old? Is God listening to our hopes, fears, and aspirations? Uh, which is where the title comes from. Uh, originality is such a rare thing in films these days. You know, it naturally stands out from the rest because of that. It does something different. It, it takes a well-worn storyline and think, right, how can, we, how can we present this to the audience in a different way? It's based on a book as well, but... I think it was very clever. I think the, the girl that plays Margaret, she's the type type of child actor, Abby Ryder Fortson. She's the type of actor you think, God, if she can survive growing up, she's going to be a massive star. She really is. You know, but really enjoyed it. Very good. Fantastic. Well, <clears throat> those are your five that Brian has very kindly gone and seen and reviewed. Um, we're going to move to the premiere that we were both able to attend which was mm. fast x yeah um and i myself am a fast and furious fan would you classify yourself as one brian um i'm probably 
I'm probably on the on the way. You know, on the way. I'm on the way to being a fan. I, I think this this is probably the best one for me so far. Wow. Maybe because it's still fresh in my mind. Maybe when the when the next one comes out, which it inevitably will do, um, maybe that'll be my favourite. But <laughs> but yeah, look, I think it's difficult not to like a film like Fast and Furious because it's so visually arresting that you can't help but like it. You know, I mean, they're in the entertainment business and it is about entertainment. So yeah, yeah, so, I, I, I'd class myself as a fan, but probably not not in the advanced stage that you are, shall we say? Yeah, and don't get me wrong, I. I know everything that's wrong with the films. Like I've had some people kind of have big chats with me about them saying, you know, you know this is rubbish and this is rubbish. Like, yeah, I know it's rubbish, but yeah. that's not why I like them. Um, yeah. If I mean, my eyes roll nonstop when I'm watching these films because the dialogue is just atrocious. The dialogue is, 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 is like it was written by you know, someone in the, in the 90s who was yeah, just, yeah, on a sugar rush. But yeah. it's got that kind of, first off, it's, pure cinema you you, yeah. you get about 10 times more enjoyment out of this by watching it on a big screen than you would watching it at home and yeah. the screening that we were in at least five or six times the audience erupted into applause and yeah, they did. Yeah. yelling and you know, yeah because of things that are <laughs> happening and that's the kind of experience i think that you only get with this sort of film at the yeah. cinema so um it's got all that going in terms of the actual plot i mean I, I was a little bit sketchy in terms of the last couple of films because I think I've only seen mm. them once and they yeah. did just they went in and went out like as they always do. Yeah. But essentially, Dom and every, and his family they're all kind of settled and they're working with the CIA and all that lot. Like they're kind mm. of now in on the same level. Yeah. Um, the character I can't remember his name. The one who Tyrese Gibson plays Roman is now kind of going to be leading operations. They're about uh, to go and do one in Rome, as we've mentioned. Yep. Um, but at the beginning of the film, we essentially see clips from the previous series of films of Fast and Furious, whereby a character we didn't know was there was mm. actually there the whole time. And it's, <laughs> it's played by... Yeah. He was, wasn't it? And he's yeah. not a small guy either. I'm surprised we didn't <laughs> notice him. Yeah. Uh, Jason Momoa, who plays Dante, and yeah. did you think there's some kind of connection with, like, you know, the volcano, like Dante's Inferno? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. That's the reference doing? point, isn't it? Really, I think. Yeah, I thought yeah. that's what they were doing, but I didn't want yeah. to kind of put words in their mouth. Um, no, no, it looks like that to me, to be honest. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so Dante was the son of the bank manager who got robbed in film five, I think, where they're putting the safe across the, the city in the yeah. two cars. Mm-hmm. So he is then, has been plotting against uh, Dominic Toretto, uh, Vin Diesel's character for many years mm-hmm. and has orchestrated his doom, shall we say, yeah. in a series of incredible, as you might expect, stunts and scenes yeah. and sequences that just kind of, they don't stop. It's absolutely yeah. relentless. This yeah, it film. is. It is. Um, it, it, it is definitely. just keeps coming. And yeah, essentially, this is definitely part of at least two films. I think it might be three films. I think there's been some rumors about being three films. Um, whether or not that's then going to be the end, I don't know. I think it makes too much money for anyone to say just yet. But yeah, um, yeah this is all now part of uh, Dominic's potential biggest foe that he's faced yeah. who see, always always seems to be at least three steps ahead in this film like he just seems to know exactly what's going on every I know, single yeah. time yeah a bit too clever for his own good really you think 
how on earth can he can he be, be that that forward thinking you know, know to think that quickly and when you when you're mucking about with cars and explosives and guns and what have you, you know, it doesn't leave much room for error does it really when you think no about it. i mean there was at least <laughs> three or four times when the dante character could easily have been killed in the film and he isn't yeah. but i just thought yeah i'm not gonna tell you how to do your job vin diesel but yeah, well, yeah. I, um there's I, loads of subplots in this film as well there's so many subplots because you've got Charlize Theron, her character Cypher is kind of involved because mm. she's the first one who kind of warns Dominic about Dante, yeah. but then she gets kind of taken away to a, um, I don't know, some kind of secure facility. And Michelle Michelle Rodriguez is there. I'm yeah. trying not to give away too many spoilers, but there will be spoilers in this review. Um, yeah. You've then got John Cena who is on a road trip with. Vin Diesel, Dominic Toretto's son, because um, he's trying to protect them. Then you've got yeah. uh, the three of them that have ended up in London, which is like the ludicrous uh, Tej character, mm. Ramsey, played by Natalie Emmanuel, and Roman. They've yeah. ended up there. So everyone's kind of split up at this point. It's very much kind of globe trotting again yeah. for the Fast and Furious. And what did you think of that? Well, look, I think that generally speaking, the the film itself is jaw-droppingly good entertainment. It's just no question. It's visually stunning. The plot itself, I think they leave a lot of um, strands running, don't they? Which is obviously a sign that it, there are, there's going to be another film, maybe two or three. But, you know, I think the plot, though, such as it is, gets buried by the visuals. It, you all, you, it almost seems incidental what the, what the storyline is and where the plot might be going you're completely distracted by the visuals. Now, I think it's all about the stunts and all about the visuals. To be fair, it doesn't pretend to be anything else. It's very, it's very honest about what it's setting out there. But look, it's, it's a, you, you, we sat there watching it, didn't we? And you think, God, that's incredible. And it was, as you say, relentless. You think, how on earth do they do that? It's really challenging the laws of physics, some of the things they were doing. And, I think with a film like this, I think I'd even say the stunt men and stunt women are more the stars than than Vin Diesel is. But you can't argue with the entertainment value there, can you? Really? No, and I think again, it's what people know. They know about what they're going into by this point. Yeah. I was talking to a friend who he likes the the early films in the series where the, the, it's more about the, the cars and the racing and mm. yeah, and that could have been an interesting franchise you know where if they did go down that route where it was a bit more gritty and more underground whereas yeah. this is more in line with like a james bond kind of film and, and all it that is, sort of stuff. yeah it is kind of going that way i mean you look at i mean you look at something like mission impossible yeah the franchise there it's gone so far away from what it was meant to be that you've almost forgotten what mission impossible was all about that mission impossible was based on a, on a, t- a brilliant tv show from the 60s and 70s but you would never I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Never know that where it is now, where it started out, and it's the same thing with Fast and Furious, is that they've taken it off it off on a route that they know is going to work, that they know it's going to please the punters, but that I think in some ways, when they, when you get the next one, when the next one comes out, they've got to try and top what they've done in this one. You know, it's got to get progressively more adventurous. Otherwise, you're not you're not you're not going to get any joy if you're just repeating what you've already done. You know, I mean, my overview of a film like Fast and Furious. Great entertainment, I enjoyed it, but I could easily have said the same thing about the previous nine films, because it it it's visually stimulating. You know, um, my reference point for action movies, as I'm sure you know, is Die Hard, Lethal Weapon, Bad Boys, that type of film. Yeah. You see, what they do is that they give you the, they give you the visual stimulation, but they give you strong characters and they give you a good script that's funny and engaging. So it gives you a bit more than just the visuals. And that's where I think uh, Fast and Furious could, they could try a little bit harder. <laughs> but then again, maybe it doesn't really matter, Chris, at the end of the day. Because you you go by how much you've been entertained. So in, my, in our function as critics, we say, well, look, this is where it might be falling down. But the bottom line is, are people entertained by it? And you say, hell yeah, of course, absolutely. Well, I don't think I, if they haven't put that on the poster, I think they should. You know, hell yeah, oh, there hell we go. Yeah. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Um, so, <laughs> well, Fast and Furious. It's all about family, and what do you need in a family? You need the mother, and that's where we're going next. Oh, that is a seamless link. Oh, I am impressed. Boom, and I made Damn, that up off that the top is of my good. head. You know. That is so good. There we go. Oh, God. Uh, well, so honestly, I'm not worthy now. Oh, no, really. Uh, um, yeah, starring okay. Jennifer. You've seen this, right? You've, yeah, you've seen, seen it. Yeah. yeah. So on Netflix uh, this month, I believe, uh, mm-hmm. May, if you're listening to it now, and stars Jennifer Lopez. Do you want to give the synopsis on this one, Brian? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's get... Let's get my notes up. Yeah, okay. So this is on Netflix then. It's directed by Nikki Caro. Stars Jennifer Lopez as the, as the mother. I don't think she actually has a character name, does she? They just call her the mother, don't they? Yeah, which anyway. I think is is very telling, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So Lucy Payas plays the, her daughter Zoe. And Joseph Fiennes plays the arch villain, Adrian Lover. 
well, Adrian Lovell, but they call him Lavelle, don't they? See, us Brits, we'd say Lovell, but they call him Lavelle. <laughs> you, can imagine, do... you can imagine him in the schoolyard in the UK. <laughs> Oi, Lovell, Lovell, yeah, what are you I... doing, mate? Oi, Lovell. Yeah, I know, I know. So, now the mother is an ex-army vet, a trained assassin, who has crossed two heavy, juicy villains, one of whom is Adrian Lavelle. She later gives birth to a baby girl who immediately becomes a target. The FBI arrange her adoption and give her a new identity. The mother is banished to deepest Alaska. But the baddies find her daughter, called Zoe, and this brings the mother out of hiding to face her demons. Now, I I really enjoyed this. This, I think, is top-notch entertainment. It really is. For one thing, how does Jennifer Lopez manage to look so young? You know, I mean, she's 53 or 54 or something. I mean, she's either got a very good plastic surgeon or she's got Peter Pan's jeans. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, again, visuals are great. The stunts are great. Uh, she she is kind of believable uh, in the role. There's no reason why she wouldn't be. But what struck me about this film, Chris, though, was that if it had been made 30 years ago or 20 years ago, this film would be called The Father. Yep. And the title role would be played by a man. But now we've got the mother, title role played by a woman. Now, the the bus phrase is all about equality now, isn't it? You know, and there you've got a great example of equality because the lead is female, strong, powerful, determined, a leading role that would have been played by a man. Do you know what I'm getting at? And you think, isn't that good though? To- oh yeah, 100%. Because when I was watching it, uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was, excellent yeah. that what i liked about it that it felt yeah this feels like it's liam neeson's role right it feels should liam neeson yeah, is going to play this role yeah. and if not you've got someone far more interesting you know we've seen liam do all those films already and yeah. he's done so many of them now but yeah. this felt fresh it felt a bit newer but also still believable it didn't feel like they were shoehorning in oh it's a female character but yeah. you know it should be a man it's like no it, it should be a, a woman because the whole it. Yeah. point of it is that you know especially in the earlier scenes where there's a very disturbing situation which um she gets yeah. attacked whilst pregnant that yeah. it's yeah. actually and her maternal instincts are coming out through the film um they're playing on that like with the when she's in alaska and there's these yeah. wolves that are around and they're very protective and yeah. it's 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 playing on a lot of themes that actually yeah, we haven't yeah. seen a lot especially not within the action uh, thriller kind of um genre that yeah. i found it very engaging very compelling i was so surprised to see a lot of negative reviews around the mother i thought really i, I thought it was much better than that oh, um from I mean- what i'd seen yeah, it does surprise me. I mean, it, everyone's got 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 a view, haven't they? You know, it, everyone's got an opinion. But I, you know, I think to to criticise that type of film, the way they've approached it, the way it's been made, you know, you buy into the character, you believe you believe the character, you believe it's happened. You know, um, anything's possible. You know, beneath that, sur- you know, the surface that we live in our lives are of convention, routine, respectability. There's an undercurrent, right? There are things going on that we don't know about, right? So it's perfectly possible that a character like the mother could exist somewhere, right? And could be um, this skilled, be a skilled marksman, be skilled with, with in martial arts, who can take care of herself and can come out of hiding to protect a daughter that she's never met. You know, 
it's it's keeping a sufficient grip on reality, but it it's 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 kind of outrageous enough to say, wow, that's that's a bit of a jump, but it's possible, it's feasible. And I, I like storytelling where it's kind of out there a little bit, but you can believe it, it's kind of feasible. You know, it, it's possible, it's likely. You know, I like that. So, yeah, I'm surprised by the negative reviews because I don't know what, what else you would really want in a, in a film. In a good action movie, you know. And it's also got got Kate Bush on the soundtrack, This Woman's Work, which is a great track as well. Yeah, that works really well in that scene. Yeah. Comes well, on, you yeah. know, at the end, when it's just sort of, when the closing titles are coming up, it's Kate Bush, yeah. uh, This Woman's Work, which is a great song. Yeah, because so, I, I always watch with subtitles on, and when you see the lyrics over the top of what's playing, actually, it's like, ah, yeah. that's very, very telling, very potent. Yeah, very apt. Um, yeah, what I really liked as well was the fact that they didn't drag out the fact that Zoe was her daughter, in terms yeah. of because it could have easily been that film where you know uh, Jennifer Lopez is being very protective, but the the girl doesn't really know why. Yeah. But they, she, the girls really they clue her in quite early on, and she guesses. She's like, "Are you my mother?" Like she kind yeah. of works it out, and I liked that. I, they they I didn't know. make her like this like fool of a child. It was yeah. like, no, 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 she actually is quite yeah. formidable herself. She, yeah, that's right. She's um, mature enough and intelligent enough to know. Yeah, I know what's going on here. But you see, the thing is. Again, that's where, where the kind of the, the notion of common sense kicks in a little bit. And you can say to the audience, yeah, we thought of that bit there. you know. So we've made her a bit wiser that she's not going to be quite that naive. I mean, she's 12 or 13, isn't she? So she's old enough to sort of work out what's going on. right? And I, I, I don't think it's possible that, that someone in that situation would know absolutely nothing about their background at school. Something will get out. You know, I don't think anything can stay secret for very long. And that's partly what it trades on. But, you know, great visuals. I think Alaska looks amazing, you know. Of all the locations they could have gone to, I mean, Alaska's spectacular, that kind of purity and that simplicity. And that scene um, that you mentioned with the wolves looking after the cubs when she's confronted by the wolf and the wolf sees sees her, she sees her cubs. You know, there's almost that, that trade-off between you know, she appreciate, appreciates what being a mother is, you know. And I think there's nothing that's said or it's written, but it's just visuals. And that's beautiful to look at, I think. Really good. That's yeah. the mother. Um, and, yeah, definitely one to watch. I I, yeah. I actually I do hope more people seek it out because I think it, it's yeah. well worth your time. Yeah. Um, and that's your streaming pick for this month. We're going to move on now to a couple of short indie films because... Yeah. Well, we love doing it. And also, the filmmakers reached out to me on my Twitter feed, which is pinned to my profile if you want to go to there and have uh, a look at some of the other films that people have asked us to review. And we've already done a few of them on the podcast, so listen Mm -hmm. to those episodes too. Do everything. Do everything. Listen to everything. Share everything. Like everything. That's all you've got to do. That's Mm -hmm. all we want, isn't it, Brian? We just want everyone to pay us all their attention. That's all we want. Our needs in life are simple, aren't they? Really? Exactly. Yeah. Um, You've seen... Uh, you've seen both of these, yeah, Brian, so it doesn't matter where I start. No, uh, no, not at all. Good. Let's go with Imbas, um, right. directed right. by Zan Gilmore. And this was an interesting short. This was the first one that I watched, so that's why I'm doing it in this order. And it's about this um, writer. He's a would-be writer, and he's on a road trip with his... Um, I think it's his friend, but I'm not sure if it's his friend or partner, but um, yeah. they're on they're on their way somewhere. Uh, he is very obsessed with um, 
sort of Scottish mythology, I guess, uh, yeah. in terms of what's going yeah. on. Um, and then he ends up speaking to this mystic character and she tells him of a gateway to another world, which mm. is through water. Um, mm. And he's completely obsessed with this. Meanwhile, his um, friend is getting kind of increasingly worried about yeah. him um, and decides to follow him. Yeah. I'm going to leave it there with the synopsis because I don't want to give any more away than that. I know, um, I know, yeah. But what did you think of this one, Brad? I liked it. I think it's very good. It's it's very dark. It's visually very arresting. Mm. Um, I I think um, Rachel, the friend, who we think might be the partner, but... It says friend on yeah. the synopsis on IMDb, so I'm going with that. Yeah, okay. We'll, we'll stick with friend. You see, <laughs> I think the way, way Rachel is reacting is she kind of represents us, the audience, yeah. because it kind of instills a sense of foreboding. The whole, the whole sort of setup. I mean, it's beautifully put together, and you know, she is sort of she sort of saying, "Are you nuts? Are you raving nuts? Are you mad doing doing this?" Because it kind of it scares her. It scares her, but he. He feels the need to immerse himself in uh, Celtic mythology. That's his thing, and it, as it progresses, you, you you feel that sense of foreboding and that fear for him, and it and it does feel quite claustrophobic. The more you you kind of get into the story, but it's very well done, and it leaves a mark. It leaves a kind of a, a mark on you afterwards because of the imagery, uh, and I find that quite. Uh, quite arresting and it does leave as i say it leaves a mark on you but it's very good it's very good but it's very dark as well though and not just in the in terms of the lighting being quite dark but a very dark story and lots of sort of celtic crossing sort of emerging as we go along so but yeah um it's it's very good it's very good i'm very impressed yeah i, I picked out a few things that i really enjoyed about the film um which First of all, the chemistry between the the couple or the friends, I thought that was really good. Uh, I yeah. enjoyed. I, we were talking earlier about this about whether or not you believed it, and I, I believed. Yeah. I believed them. Um, I thought they, their performance was really good. Love the locations. I always love these sort of locations um, when yeah. you've got the the landscape forming part of the story. You know, it was like yeah. this isolation. I yeah. thought it remind, reminded me of. Do you know? Do you remember during the festival we we watched? I think it was called Brother Troll. Something like that. Yeah, the one that was based in the Faroe Islands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it is a bit like that. Yeah, a bit, a bit like that. Just in terms of them yeah. being cut off from everyone yeah. else, because you don't get that really a lot in society anymore. In terms of like you know, that in the in the mainstream. Yeah. So when we see these films set in these places, I think it really adds a good depth to the story. It really yeah. helps it. Yeah, um, yeah, love that. And then the, other, the last thing was the music. I liked the music where it was a bit more fantasy and ethereal. Like it kind of had a weird vibe. I wasn't so sure about when this like electronic dance track comes in. There's a bit where the, the music pumps in with the, yeah. when he's in the water. And, stuff. and I was like, I'm not sure if that worked for me, but I liked the, the other music that was being used. I don't know. It's an interesting shift. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, and you do wonder whether that was meant to signpost something significant in the story mm. where, where the, the institute, incidental music changes but I'm, I'm not entirely sure but yeah it did seem seem to stick out more than it should do. or maybe it was meant to you see i often take that as a kind of a something significant but it might not be maybe it's a kind of a double bluff right see i overthink things all the time that's what we're here for Brian. we're here to overthink yeah, that's all what this we do. aren't we and over talk it we over talk everything over talk it yeah it's got to be done hasn't it really 
Um, but yeah, thank you to Elizabeth McNally for um, sending that to me. Uh, she's in the film. Uh, she plays the uh, she plays Fiona, who is the sort of mystic that he. Oh, meets. she did that right. Okay. Yeah, so she was the one who got in touch with us to review the film, and um, yeah, I'm very glad she did because enjoyed it a lot. Uh, so that's Imbas. I'm not sure if you can see it anywhere. Um, trying to look at our link, was it public mm. or not? I don't know. It's on Vimeo, but I don't know if it's password protected. It's not. It's up a year ago. No, No, so you should be. Yeah, Vimeo.com. Search for Imbas, which is I M B A S. I'm probably saying that wrong, but um, that's online for you to watch and enjoy. So that's that one. The second short film that we watched and are now reviewing was called Lautier. Which Mm. is that? How you'd pronounce that? Or Lautier? Lautier. Lautier. L A U T I R. This was um, also very good, different, um, and in the opening credits, so this isn't really like a spoiler, but you realise that Lautier is an anagram of ritual. And do you know what? I never, you I never that? spotted that. Did you miss it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the letters all kind <laughs> of come across. Uh, and I was like, ooh. Um, wow. So, yeah, yeah and it's. Wow, okay. um, there is this, it's kind of set, I guess, again, in a fantasy slash fairy tale kind of world yeah, yeah. Um, where you've got this community who are played by a terror um, that comes and takes them. They're people that are, are sinful. Uh, it comes and very violently rips them out of society, I guess, um, mm, yeah. because no one in this society, in this community, has proven themselves to be innocent enough for this yeah. demon to go away uh, but there could be these two girls who may be the answer who are going to journey I think to the um, to a place where they can stop this demon and they go through the landscape it's very yeah. sort of tranquil and serene at times yeah. it feels a bit like a fairy tale but then it gets increasingly um, worrying I guess and troubling yeah, I know it's like that isn't it what did you think of this one, Brian? I, I liked it. I thought it was very good. Again, a bit like Imbass, it creates a great atmosphere, but very kind of claustrophobic, very foreboding. To me, um, anything set in a forest or a wood uh, is quite intimidating anyway. It's, that it's terrifying, isn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah, but it is. Though. But you look at it through the prism of film and TV, bad things always seem to happen in a forest or in a wood because... There's that sense of isolation, of being alone. Or they're not alone. There's the two of them there. But because it's 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 outdoors, it's in a, in a, a forest or a, a wood, however you want want to look at it. But that is scary in itself. That is intimidating by itself. It's that sense of being alone. And when you look at the way the uh, the intro sets the story up, that the demon has to feed off. You know, the the demon uh, feeds off. Something, something or someone that's pure and that's what gets rid of the demon and you know something's going to happen <laughs> and you, you get increasingly concerned when you think oh something bad's going to happen in a minute it is it is and they kind of keep on walking and one of them says now it's time and then you tense up because <laughs> you can't you know what I mean? you kind of get ready for it you yeah. know um but it's very good you know it is very well done and it is would you call it horror? Would you call it? Does it fit in the horror genre? Do you think? I think it does. It's not labelled as such, but I yeah. I would because that's the first thing that comes to my mind when yeah. I think about the film. And you, 
I think think about the themes and the way in which they're presenting this story. I mean, it's got yeah. a very big fantasy element to it as well. Yeah. But I would say it's got horror elements and a horror vibe to it. Yeah, I, I think so. But not in a way that's going to be very off-putting. It's not trying to no. No, upset it, it, you in any way. It's no. more just important for the for the story to unfold yeah. in, I think. Yeah, it gri- it's gripping. It, it, take, it takes you along. It's very similar to Imbass in a way. I think Imbass has elements of horror about it as well. There's nothing wrong with that, but but it makes it makes the um, the narrative even more gripping in a way. The story they're trying to tell is it, taking you along on a. It's not fear, but it's anticipation, isn't it? I think that's the essence of horror. It's anticipating what's coming next, and they both do that. They both do that in their own way, but it it's a slightly different approach to, to storytelling. But very good, you know. Very impressed that it they've managed to tell a coherent story in a very short space of time, which is always the test that we we give it. Does it does it tell a, a story that's relatively end to end and it makes sense and it's complete enough to be to be a story by itself? And it is. So yeah, and it's something Impressive. different as well. I, I thought it was quite a different story yeah. to have told. I liked it. Um, I liked it a lot. And Martin Hardwick, uh, who's the co-director with Georgia. Conlon, who uh, Conlon wrote the film, he got in touch. So Martin Harvey got in touch with me about reviewing it. Um, the film itself is actually available, I believe, on Amazon Prime. So oh. quite easy for people to watch if it's still there. Um, sometimes I say these things and then it's gone. Um, but <laughs> it's always it, away, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. much like our, our uh, nostalgia pick this month. Um, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah, Lauti should still be on Amazon Prime if you were. Uh, want to watch it it's again not long uh, it's only it's less than 20 minutes i think so I it's, you've got plenty of time to watch Doesn't it and take up your time too much of your time at all yeah um so yeah that's that uh we are now going to move on to our nostalgia pick now i picked this film for two reasons one uh, a good friend of mine always recommended it to me kept saying it was really good and i watched it Years ago, and I just didn't like it. Me and my wife both watched it, and I thought, I didn't like it, didn't get it, did not get all the buzz. A lot of people had said they loved it. The second yeah. reason I picked it was because it was, emphasis on the was, <laughs> on um, BBC iPlayer, which was part of the reason of this podcast, was yeah. to give you films that you guys could listen at, watch. Yeah. Um, it has now disappeared from iPlayer, unfortunately, but luckily I had a DVD copy of it. Uh, in my garage because that's where I keep my DVDs now and um, I think Brian you went to the trouble of renting it I did yeah because I mean when we spoke about it on the uh, previous podcast it I'd never seen it I didn't see it when it came out and I thought well I really want to see this now and when I realized it wasn't on iPlayer anymore and I saw it was on Amazon Prime so I thought why not what the hell let's let's have a look at it let's 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 test its metal let's see how good it is or not there we go and i am willing to throw my hands up and say i was wrong this is a good film i Uh, very much enjoyed it on a second watch i don't know what happened the first time i think maybe i wasn't expecting something quite as bleak as it is um but actually this now doesn't look so bleak in the world that we live in now this feels very much like i could look out my window and see this now um (laughs) but but isn't isn't it strange how society moves on and in the light of experience it it doesn't seem quite as frightening as it once was, but we're learning to live with various challenges that confront us. It's weird as well, seeing films that, you know, this was released in 2006 Mm. and they are showing a version of uh, the UK in 2027. Mm. So almost over 20 years in the future, but us now being in 2023, Mm. 
it's strange seeing these visions of dystopia that mm. are you know so close to where we are now in our mm. lives that uh, you know how much that i don't know whether or not they do affect you um because all right yeah maybe this isn't what the uk looks like but there are places in the world that still are yeah. going through incredible incredibly tough times and yeah. what what's being showcased because the idea of the film is um that the the whole world has somehow become infertile and mm. babies just aren't happening they just suddenly mm. stop happening and you know mm. like the the film starts with the world's youngest person kind of being yeah. killed in a mob yeah, that's right the and scene, he's yeah. not yeah he's not that old he's 18 yeah um but there's no one younger than him mm. and yeah so then you've got Clive Owen, who's kind of just trying to get by in life, uh, but we realise that he's linked to an activist played by Julianne Moore, mm. who needs his help because someone that they've, because uh, she's part of this activist group, they have found someone who has become pregnant and is quite late in the term, so mm. is imminently going to give birth. So yeah. they want to try and get her to safety away from the government, who seems to be very corrupt and evil, but can we trust this group? Because why is Julianne Moore getting Clive Owen involved? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. essentially that film is him um, getting involved. I think that's a terrible synopsis, but as the best I can do no, without giving away too much of the Yeah. Plot. No, it's good. That's, that's pretty, a pretty good summation as far as, as far as I can see. I like you, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I, this is the first time I've actually seen the film and I, yeah, I was very impressed by it. it it's, in a way, it plugs into our very deepest spheres because if we think of a cataclysmic event, it might be a pandemic or a virus, something that scientists can deal with. But in children and men, women are becoming fertile. The human race is no longer able to reproduce and is slowly dying out. And that is that is scary. Um, but it, as you say, I think in light of what's happened since then, um, where we've had this the pandemic, we, we've had COVID-19, in some ways it takes the edge off it a bit, but it's still it's still powerful, it's still very affecting, I think. It might have affected me a lot more if I'd have seen it when it first came out. Uh, but what I did think was very clever about the film, though, was that they would take landmarks in London, like Fleet Street, where the bomb went off, that was in Fleet Street, and they also feature Regent Street, but it you can see it's it's Fleet Street or it's Regent Street, but they've kind of toned it down to an extent where there is a, a sense of anarchy here because, you know, the human race is, is slowly dying out and they have this issue with, with immigration. And there's, it's throwing all kinds of ideas at you, all kinds of sort of notions and concepts. The, the only thing I, find, I found slightly irritating, and it's nothing to do with the film as such, but the story doesn't really explain in any sort of detail why it happened in the first place. Because, you know, they're, they're trying, they're, there is the human project and they're, they're researching into the cause of infertility, but it doesn't seem to elaborate any further. See, I quite liked that when I yeah. saw the bit, um, they were talking about some kind of panel that someone had been on and they yeah. started saying oh yeah they're trying to explain what happened and there was all the usual theories which yeah. was all different things like gamma rays and yeah. i don't know i can't remember what else they listed but it was like about five or six different yeah. things that, it, that could have 
caused it. And what I liked about that was having just gone through obviously COVID and the pandemic was you had all these people trying to spout theories as to what was yeah. really going on yeah. and how all of that confusion and all of that mistrust with yeah. what people are saying and what scientists might say I think that works it, it, and you know this predating that by so much was, yeah. was really powerful um yeah. I think it, a film like this as well is easier to watch than something that's going to deal with say like a virus or something because it's just maybe a little bit too close to home but because yeah. so many of the themes are so uh recurring and what we've gone through that yeah i don't know maybe i just found it more powerful this time i love the yeah. well there's, there's a few bits i really love but first off there was a bit of graffiti on one of the walls which said last one left remember to turn off the light or yeah. something like that yeah. I thought, oh that is yeah. genius um, and then there's another scene where they're in the car and they get roadblocked by the by this group, and then the car then has to reverse, and this mm. the groups are attacking them, and the whole scene just doesn't quit. The camera carries and yeah. goes. So many things happen in that scene. I, I won't say kind of what happens, that, but oh, it was just magnificent, yeah, that, amazing bit of filmmaking. Yeah, it was. It was very good. It was very well, well, sort of well planned, well thought out, and very brilliantly constructed. You know, and it. It kind of enters at a point in the film where where it kind of they kind of think right we need to pick up the pace a little bit here now we need to put something in that's gonna give the viewer a bit of a jolt and I think that's what that particular scene does. But yeah, I was very impressed with it. And as I say, um, it's a P.D. James uh, novel as well, isn't it? P.D. James used to write all the mystery thrillers you know i didn't she... even know that as well until i saw it this time yeah. um because my mum reads a lot of pd james and i was like oh i didn't <laughs> i didn't know that at all and um but, but it, I'd, yeah. I'd be interested to see what the book is like to be honest. well that was going to be my next point really because I, now i really want to read the book mm. you know i mean almost always you're going to be disappointed if if you i always think that you should either read the book or see the film. Never, never see both because you'll probably be disappointed. But I'm really, I really want to read the book on which this film was based. Um, I mean, for P.D. James, it was really left the centre for her. It's, she's done something completely different to what she normally did. And this is from the writer who created Adam Dalgleish. And you couldn't get more different, really, could it? But, yeah, I, I was impressed with it. And a nice cameo by Michael Caine as well. It's yeah, good... he plays a really cool character actually. Yeah, Jasper. Yeah, um, uh, I'm still trying to get used to Michael Caine with really long hair past his shoulders. I know. I, I don't think it worked for him, if I'm honest. Yeah. It, it was a bit distracting for me. Yeah, it wasn't a good look for him, was it really? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'd recommend it. Definitely recommend it. Um, it it's. I, I think you, you said it alongside the pandemic. You see, you keep on thinking the template you have in the mind, your own mind, is a pandemic. But to me. To watch a film like this is a, more of a nightmare scenario than the pandemic because there is a way of, of fighting the pandemic, you know, and that's why I kind of, when I was watching it, I had that kind of rush of concern. I think, right, they're not offering me any explanation as to why this has happened, you know, and yeah, oh, but as you say, though, it could well be that kind of gives it more of an edge because there are no easy answers there that it does give rise to conspiracy theories, which maybe is probably what makes that society descend into more chaos because nobody knows why. You know, people know what, what the 
what the uh, the outcome, what the fallout is, and what the effects are, but not what the cause is. So maybe that's what does give it its edge. But you know, I'm, I'm into knowing all about this sort of stuff, Chris. You know, <laughs> why did that happen? You know, but it leaves you wanting more, I guess. You know, that's what a good film should do. Absolutely, and a good film it is. I will hand, I'll hold my hands up. I will admit defeat. I was wrong, and that's what's great about this uh, section of the podcast because mm. it's given me a chance to revisit some films, have a reason to revisit some of these yeah. films, yeah, and yeah, Children of Men, albeit very very bleak, but also very very good. Um, yes. Absolutely. So I'm going to pick our nostalgia pick for next month right. now because drum roll. I think we need something funnier, lighter, because mm. mm. we've been through a lot. Um, yeah. I'm going to go with 1988. Tom Hanks film. See if you can guess what it is. 1988. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, um, oh, uh, see if I... I mean, that's all I'm giving you so far, just the year. Um, yeah. Um, I'm not I'm not going to look it up. I could, I could Google uh, yeah. it, but I'm not going to. Uh, Direct, directed by Penny Marshall. Not sure if that helps. Uh, has he been in a film by Directed by Penny Marshall? Obviously, he has. Uh, yeah, and it's, oh, oh, no. also stars Elizabeth Perkins. Is it big? It is big. Ah, oh, big. you got that pretty quick. I thought yeah. I was going to have to give you loads more. <laughs> um, yeah, it's currently on Disney Plus. So, guys and girls, and everyone else, anyone listening. This is currently on Disney Plus. <laughs> it may not be by the time we get there. <laughs> and I don't think I have a DVD copy of Big, so I'll have to rent it if it falls off. <laughs> um, but I'm hoping that they'll keep it on because I haven't seen this probably since I was a kid. I don't think so. Um, my brother used to love watching this film yeah. and I wasn't always into it. So I'll be interested to see how I feel about it now as a 35-year-old. So I'll, I'll yeah. let you know in the next I episode. Yeah, I mean, I I haven't seen the film since it came out, so it will it will be like seeing the film for the first time for me. I mean, um, you know, when when you look, you and I were, were film buffs, aren't we? We see literally hundreds of films, and you kind of you hear a film title, you think, oh yeah, I've seen that, but you know, if it's that long ago since you've seen it, for me, it'd be like seeing it. Seeing it first time, you know. Oh yeah, hundred percent. To be honest, now I have this. So films I've seen ages ago, I can't remember. Films mm. I've seen very recently, I forget very quickly. It's the films in the middle that are kind of stuck with me. The films that I maybe watched in my sort of late teens, twenties, where I'm like, right. I can remember those all right. But yeah, any like you know, what did we review today? The mother. What's that about? I remember. You know, yeah, <laughs> that's well, not true. I can still remember the mother. Yeah, but no, I know what you mean. Yeah, it's but it is true. Like I, I find that. Your your brain is like this kind of bucket that can hold that stuff, but new mm. stuff just drops out, and old stuff seems to be leaking from the bottom. I don't yeah. know. That's the best metaphor I can come up with. Yeah. But um, yeah. we're going to review big because we love a bit of Tom Hanks anyway. Oh, He's yeah. an absolute um, legend. But also, have you dreamt some about about him lately? I haven't. No, I, no, I want no more dreams. No, no. Um, he does. He does pop up sometimes, but he's always quite. <laughs> Uh, it's quite nice, but then in that one dream where he was trying to um, uh, 
get me involved in some kind of scheme. Yeah, I've lost a bit of trust. Maybe that's why I've picked this. Subliminally, yeah, he's ruined this. it for you, hasn't he? He's just ruined it now. Yeah. yeah. What's the, What's the big idea, Hanks? Hey, <laughs> come on. That's the best I could do with that. Yeah. No, I look forward to seeing that. As I say, I've not seen it since it came out. So. Um, yep. And you've got you got Disney Plus, have you? I have, yes. Just to let you know, listeners, we don't have any kind of affiliations with any of these platforms. That's why I kind of jump around quite a lot. I have a bit of a distrust now of iPlayer, so I'm not going to uh, be recommending them for a while. It's sneaky that, though, isn't it? How could they do that? Taking it off like that, you know. Best laid plans, Chris. Best laid plans. These things are sent to try us. So that's your lot for this uh, episode. And it's what an episode. Wow, it's been huge. It's been bigger than fast x to be honest we've put more in here more stunts yeah, more uh, special effects brian's completely green screened that's why you can't see him <laughs> and we've been in your ears for over an hour now so i think it's best that we that you all carry on with your days but thank you very much for listening um it's been uk film club I've loved having you here i hope to see, uh, well have you here next month um mm-hmm. and stay stay good stay big is that that thing stay- Stay big. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that could be a new a new one. Stay yeah. big. It could have some connotations that I don't want to hear about. So uh, <laughs> gotta say you've said it now, haven't you? Really? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, until next time. Bye for now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.